Dirty Hooers. Cross-Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. All the word bollocks. www.dirtywhoers.com We're here at Dimensions with the lovely Lisa Bowerman from Big Finish. Good afternoon. All round Wonder Woman. (laughs) Right, I'll come again. (laughs) That's it. I'm on your side now. (laughs) Excellent. Now, you've been involved in all sorts of things, haven't you? I don't know quite how it happened. But yes, it's funny when you you start a job, you think, oh, well, this will last two weeks. That's what happened 13 years ago. Is it that long? It's that long, 1998. Good grief. I mean, it's very well documented, but, you know, I auditioned for Benny thinking it was going to last two and a half milliseconds in Nick Briggs' front room with a microphone strapped to a nut lighter. And I thought, oh, and I know with uh, Jason and Gary and I thought oh fanboy central marvellous and I thought I'll never hear another thing from this so I got the job and I thought wow I won't tell the agent you know here we are 13 years on and look at Big Finish as a company it's absolutely amazing Mm. because I I started directing about six years ago now Nigel Fares bless him gave me a job on The Tomorrow People and I think it was Craig Hinton's last ever script Mm-hmm. which was kind of sad but kind of a nice thing to do and then went on to do Sapphire and Steel and then when David Richardson came in to Big Finish as sort of line producer apparently one of his favourite audios was one of the Sapphire and Steels that I directed and bless his cotton socks asked me back and now we're kind of involved with Companion Chronicles and Jago and Lightfoot and you name it because you also got to bring one of the other elements to life as well didn't you you played Ruby in quite a few of the Sapphire I and did Steels. you know I loved Ruby I really miss Ruby regardless Regardless of Benny, because obviously Benny, Benny is Benny, but Ruby, you know, she was just different and a bit vampy and a bit camp. <laughs> and who wouldn't want to play camp opposite Susie Harker and David Warner? You know, it's, it was fantastic. And it's very difficult, obviously, because Sapphire and Steel had a very particular dynamic. And then, of course, we had David Collings playing mm. silver and Mark Gatiss playing gold. And I... I'm sorry, I really miss that series. I, I adored yes. doing Ruby. I really did. Yeah, I'd have to it say I did enjoy fun. them. They yeah, were so very well. good. And and of course, I, uh, yes, I and I, I give my Ellie and Jago and Lightfoot apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was by default, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's a bit of fun as well because again. Trevor and Christopher are just wonderful. You couldn't ask for a better cast. So in terms of the directing, was that something that you'd always fancied doing or was it a happy accident? Well, I'd actually, I, there was a, uh, I used to do a lot of radio drama for the BBC, but I also did radio drama for a company called Independent Radio Drama Productions, which at that point in the early 90s is the only other company that made audio drama to the extent that they did. And that was based out of the London Broadcasting Company, it was the LBC in mm-hmm. London, which was the, the then the local radio station there. And they used to do a lot of new playwrights festivals and I'd had an opportunity to do a bit of directing then and when I first joined Big Finish I remember Gary saying years ago I mean really years ago he said forget of a Doctor Who don't worry don't worry you will you know get some directing done because when they first started up I'd been doing Benny possibly just under a year and of course it's like the holy grail to these guys so they were very concentrated on Big Finish as far as I was concerned that was the end of Benny and Gary promised me <laughs> some directing and in fact there is a piece of paper I think that's 
in the inside story with a, an outline for one of Mike Tucker's scripts where I was slated to be director. But of course, as I said, this is the holy grail for the guys and they weren't going to let a girl touch. I mean, it wasn't going to happen, was it? So I just sat and Mary kind of, all right then. And then it wasn't until Nigel, it was actually Nigel Fairs that I have to take my hat off to because he, he just said, I want you to direct this. And I thought, oh, okay, no pressure. And like most things, you, you learn on the hoof. But I think because we'd all worked for Big Finish for a long time, we knew the technique, we knew how we recorded. As an actor, I'd been at it a number of years, she says diplomatically, quite a long time. You do know what you hope you want a director to be, and that's mm-hmm. what you give yourself your own notes by going what would I like a director to say to me? And there are some times when directors know what they're trying to say, but they don't have the language to say it in. And I think the advantage of being an actor is that you know the shorthand. So that's hopefully what has happened. <laughs> if you're not going to give anything too much away, then you're not allowed to. No, no spoilers, know, obviously. What's coming up in the future for Benny, Jago and uh, well, uh, J- Things uh, you'd like to plug? <laughs> I have to say, well, I have to plug a lot. Uh, uh, Benny, uh, we have recorded a lot in advance. So there is a lot. And watch this space. And we've got a couple of hugely exciting projects that I cannot tell you about. But I think everybody will go... Yes, I was going to say squee, but I've heard that that's probably not, not a thing to say, but that, 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 that's, so that's that. Then Jago and Lightfoot, watch this space. <laughs> I can't say any more than that, but I, I think... I think we've agreed, David Richardson and myself have agreed that, you know, regardless of the fact we love everything that we do, we <laughs> particularly love Jaco and Lightfoot. We have so much fun. The scripts have been outstanding. And on the basis of having somebody like Trevor and, and Chris, mm. we can get the most fantastic cast because they go, oh yeah, oh, yeah. oh we'll do that, you know. So fans wish list here, any chance that the fourth Doctor might make a return have visit? N- no idea i don't know i can't say anything i can't say anything and if anything was to be said i'm not involved (laughs) i'm stepping well away from this and what else what else of course i'm in the middle of doing blake seven at the moment which is an exciting new project i I don't think they ever thought they'd they'd get a license for that so that's pretty exciting Uh, we're sort of although restricted is probably the wrong word we have to do them two-handers but because obviously david and my experience with companion chronicles it's a genre that works very well Mm. and actually with you know a lot of the original cast you're laughing because you don't have to worry about characters they know what they're doing despite the fact it's been quite a few years you know that they they all hit the ground running and again we've got some very very good scripts i've just finished editing the very first one with michael keating and the wonderful anthony howell who's an extraordinarily good actor and in a script by nigel fairs actually Mm. and it's quite exciting and i think the fans will love it not that I'm biased. Or yeah, well, we'll look forward to that. No, no, I hate it. None of the room must buy it. And you've got Stargate as well? Stargate. Yeah, well, that came as me. I, I don't know whether it was everybody else going, oh, my God, I'm not trying to get involved with the logistics of that. It has been a bit... It won't... It, I, and I promise you it won't sound like this in, in the final edit, but um, it has been like putting a giant jigsaw together because unbeknown to me when this was sort of thrown at me, Jason had directed some of the American actors out in the States anyway. And then what you had to do is fit in the entire rest of the cast and because they are full cast. They're quite, you know, sizable casts. Yeah. And and there are six different episodes. So it's not just a kind of little neat box set of four or kind of single ones here and there. It's a whole big series, which I had to get done in a very limited amount of time. So uh, again, very lucky, got some fantastic cast in. And then, of course, Michael Shanks lives in Canada. So I've been recording overnight with him. And we've only got one more session left for, for the last two episodes. So when it's all together, <laughs> the very wonderful, I think, Alice 
Victor Locke is doing the post-production on that and he is extremely good at his job so I'm really quite excited I, it'd be lovely to see how it comes out as long as I haven't found that Jason's recorded everybody talking like this and I've been recording everybody talking like that and it'll all go horribly wrong I'm not saying that it'll be wonderful but it's very exciting and again it's it's a series I didn't know I, I'm not familiar with at all and like most things that I do for Big Finish it sounds perverse to say I'm not a, a science fiction fan but I am a fan of good drama and I think if it works in a dramatic sense, it will work because all the people who've gone through the, the script process would have sorted out all the sci-fi references. And mm-hmm. if anything, I don't know. There's always somebody in the room who knows more than I do. So <laughs> lie on that. Are there any actors that you would dearly love to direct in one of the big Finnish audios? Oh, God, there's so many. But what's so extraordinary and what I've been so lucky is that all my favourite actors that I've asked for, I've got to work with. Superb. I, know, I mean, in the last series of Graceless, there was a, a part and I read it and I went, well, I can only imagine Michael Cochran playing that. And I rang them up, we got him. And I went, yes! <laughs> <laughs> and it's really exciting. And, you know, other people suggest people, and you go, well, they'll never say yes to that. <laughs> and they do. And it's not necessarily big, incredibly famous actors. It's, it's actors that you've always admired. And mm. I think the huge strength of Big Finish is that most of us who are directing or have written or whatever have a very large reference of actors we're not people who kind of go oh never heard of them if anything's over 15 years old mm-hmm. we all know everybody's careers we're all a bit geeky over actors I know <laughs> I certainly was when I was about 10 or 11 I mean I used to you know collect actors I knew what they did I knew what they'd acted in and, and suddenly you find yourself being able to employ people it's exciting <laughs> Miss Ancini, I'm directing a companion chronicle next week with William Russell, and I needed Scottish actors who could do it. And I thought there's an actress who I've always, always admired, and I always thought she was absolutely fantastic, called Sharon Small, who played the psychic in Inspector Lindley and Mm -hmm. did a wonderful series years ago called Glasgow Kiss. And and I thought, well, she might say yes to this, and she has. And I'm stupidly excited about that because (laughs) when you see actors, you say, again, not necessarily big, older, hugely successful just actors that you've always liked their work and to have an opportunity just to have a fun for a day and have a nice lunch and do a fun play is just bliss and really exciting and then again you can get some actors you think great you go oh that's not quite what I expected you know it's it's I'm not saying that that's all that always happens but occasionally it's not quite what you expected and sometimes then you inherit people and then they come up to higher expectations than Mm. you expected it's all very fascinating and I can't think of anybody I thought oh my god horrible person we've been really lucky Mm. you know and again I don't want to bang on about it because I'm sure people have said it before the spirit of the company at Big Finish is very good and people hook onto it very quickly and they all realize that we're all professionals and they're having a good time that they're treated with respect but at the same time professionally so they know they're not dealing with mm. idiots and Toby cooks up the best lunch known to man and believe <laughs> we me have heard that, the yes. way to an actor's <laughs> heart is through his stomach you know it is sadly true you know you should see them at the lunch trucks at, on film locations it's like you know, the vultures landing I mean obviously you know I've worked with Big Finish for a long time I am not on the payroll I'm not uh, under contract with them but it is the loveliest company to work for and mm. the amount of actors and again I heard a very well established actor who's worked for Big Finish many times saying that he bumped, literally bumped into Tom Baker at a tube station and just said Big Finish I love working with Big Finish I mean it was quite extraordinary and I and, and there people who hear podcasts and, and hear us talking on stage yeah they say well, they're bad to say that, but yeah, I mean, it is, isn't it? It's a sort of predictable thing to say, but when you actually are faced up with it, but I think also because the, the guys behind it, you know, Jason and Nick and David and everybody, 
love the subject. They love their sci-fi. It's it's part of their growing up, and they have yes. a loyalty to it, and they have a loyalty to get it right as well. They, mm. they feel the responsibility to get it right. I'm quite right, Yeah, too. it's not just a cash cow to them. It's something I, that they're invested also, in and they I, love. I, yeah, and I also think the people who have bought them would have rumbled them a lot earlier on if that had been the case to be yes. honest. I'm not saying that I, I'm very high up the food chain, but I certainly, if there was any sense of people doing things in a mediocre or half-cock way, I wouldn't have been involved with it. I wouldn't have been interested in any way, shape or form. And I think you'd say that for most actors mm. as well. They, they, they think, well, well, it's a bit of a two-bit operation on. Uh, <laughs> but they haven't. No, they haven't. It's not true. <laughs> so, is there anything else you'd like to plug before um, we do the frivolous oh, no, stuff? We do, we do, it's all oh, frivolous. Good uh, no, Benny, we've done... Uh, we do, oh, Graceless. Graceless, too. I'm not going to call it a spin-off series because it isn't, regardless of the two girls being in the Key to Time series, it has been conceived as a completely different new sci-fi series with a completely different sensibility from everything else we can do. We're not constrained by licences, we're not constrained by what we can and can't do material-wise. I would say it's a lot more adult, it's a lot more grown-up in tone, with a sort of morality all of its own. And again, Simon Gurry has come up with the goods when it comes to creating this whole world. And I'm just coming to the end of the second series, editing notes on the second series and it's sounding as gritty and as as enjoyable as the first one we're very proud of that one and also literally not that it's the same thing we've just had the latest companion chronicle come out with tom allen and peter purvis Mm -hmm. and it's proved to be quite rightly extremely popular it's the end of a trilogy that we've had with the two of them and and i think we're very proud of it it's a terrific script by simon gurrier and and richard and lauren who did the post-production done a splendid job so it's it's one of those team jobs Mm. that's just come together and it's lovely (laughs) that's the end of my plugging (laughs) now to the frivolous Favourite tipple? Sadly and predictably, it's got to be gin and tonic. Yay! Another vote for gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's the only way. Vodka is a waste of a good drink, frankly. I just think, what's the point? Spoil, spoils the taste of an orange juice. No, I, uh, I, I doesn't do it. No, gin and tonic can be on the phrase. So. We asked Toby this earlier any specific gin or just any well, gin? Well, actually, no, I am a convert to, to your Bombay Sapphire. But having said that, she says in brackets, I was introduced to Welsh gin by somebody at the Swansea, and it's called Brecon and it's cracking because it's got cinnamon in it or something and it's got a really oh it's a really nice taste so I may well be investing in a little um, bottle of that at some point well that ties in with what Toby said because he said there's a Welsh one but he couldn't remember what it was called I'm pretty sure it's something like Brecon or something and and look it up guys because it was now David I'm going to get his name wrong and I'm so ashamed of myself I'm pretty sure it's David who's one of the fans down in Swansea and he said here we go and passed me a plastic cup on the foot I literally just arrived and said have some of that not that I I don't drink a a lot but occasionally she says quite quickly I'm not purporting to any of that and I have a convert but Bombay Sapphire I I mean that's the one I've never actually tried it's a lot smoother than Gordon's yeah um, Hendrix is very good never tried that oh that's lovely particularly and what's the one they always have in America is it Tanqueray or something What's that? I, that's yeah, I'm not entirely certain. Because that was apparently about that. is a British gin, but exports to America and isn't very well known. I've heard of it, but yeah, it was sort of like never. Well, I actually it. thought it was a whiskey, to be honest. But there oh, you go. In which case, <laughs> like, is it a no, it is no, it's it a, gin, a gin. Because Toby okay. was on about it earlier. Yeah, no, Bombay. If you could be a cake or biscuit, what cake or biscuit would you be? Oh, I don't get cake and biscuit. Is cake or? Oh, biscuit? you can be cake and biscuit. Well, cake. It's my mother's recipe for chocolate cake. To be said, it's a good old victorious one for the you know cream, but but it's it's got to be chocolate cake. Sorry, <laughs> I am very partial to that. Sounds good to me. And if you could meet anyone from history, <gasps> who would it be, and what would you say to them? Oh dear God, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Johnson, where did you get to? Yes. <laughs> 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, yes. That's the only one I can think of. No, I was going something like Shakespeare. How was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was Wolkamp like? No, no. I, I think, yeah. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, we love doing that one. But sometimes people just come straight back at you and you think, how long have you been thinking about yeah. that? You threw that one at me without even knowing I had to. I could have done my homework and looked intellectual. That was never going to happen, was it? You can say the same for Amelia Hart. There we go, for the, for the American lot. There we go. So you can edit it for different countries. Amelia Hart, ready to go to. My name's Fraser Hines. I play Jamie in Doctor Who. And I'd like to bring my two Doctor Whoers, Deborah Watling and Wendy Padbury, along to meet you sometime. Hello, we are here at Dimensions 2011 with Toby Haydock, writer of Doctor Who, uh, Moths Ate My Doctor Who Scarf, or Doctor Who Ate My Moth Scarf, even. It's now, the that's... sequel. <laughs> I'm working on right now. Yes, Moth's Ate My Doctor Who Scarf. Quite a while ago as well, isn't it? Well, it started quite a while ago, and the horse looked like it was going to expire, but I carried on beating away <laughs> up until relatively recently. We're talking about doing it on DVD now, just a recording of the live show next year, and then, then I'll have to stop doing it. But people still ask me to do it, and I, I won't say no if people want it. I'd, I've consciously had a rest. But I think I might have a couple of dates next year as well. So that was a very long answer to a short question. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) And you've done How I Know My BBC as well, haven't you? Yes, that has finished. I finished that about three weeks ago in Manchester, which is where I started most of my comedy projects. So I know that's, that's now done and dusted. That Yeah, that was never going to have the same sort of shelf life as... Mm. I'll say my Doctor Who scarf. And also, I knew I was never going to get a BBC radio series out of it because the BBC aren't allowed to seem to be nice about the BBC, otherwise the Mail and Rupert Murdoch could go, look, they're advertising themselves. <laughs> now watch Sky. So, yes, that was always going to be finite, and Doctor Who fans don't care about the BBC. You know, I knew not, it was never going to tour as, as long as, as Moths because mm-hmm. of the nature of the show. But it was fun while it lasted. Now, one of the other major things that you've been doing is running through corridors with Mr Shearman. Yes, Rob Shearman, who I'm sitting next to signing autographs with today. I think I might be beating him. But that's only because he's been to every single convention that has ever been. And if there's a Doctor Who fan without Rob Shearman's autograph, I'd like to meet them. And and, and what Rob should be doing is finishing his edit of Running Through Corridors Volume 2, but he hasn't yet, which is why it isn't out yet. He's, he promises me he's on. He's editing Pirate Planet Episode 4 at the moment, so not long left. And how exactly did he manage to talk you into <coughs> this? He took me for a Chinese meal. I say he took me. He said, shall we eat there? We, we went halves on the bed. He didn't pay or anything. <laughs> it was an idea that he'd had, and then uh, he'd taken it to last to, to do something that was just about being positive about Doctor Who. Because it's easy whenever you're reviewing anything to be funny if you're taking the mickey, if you're picking on a fault. And the internet, its again, it's always easier, I think, to put something you don't like rather than something mm. you do. You know, you never get fired up enough to go, oh, I love that! It's m- m- you know, much easier to get fired up to go, that bit was rubbish! And so, and then and then we'd, we'd been meeting, he came to see Moss my Doctor Who scar a couple of times and we sort of got friendly and started meeting up for beers whenever I was in London and he just put it to me and I said yes immediately you know as a proper Doctor Who writer asking me to do something with him I'd never had a book on the shelves but it was all pluses for me well I have to say I didn't think we'd do it and then on <laughs> New Year's Day it got the thing sort of thought all right he's serious about this and it just we just sort of got into a flow so it didn't, I didn't take much persuading and is there an episode where you haven't been able to find anything positive at all to say about it well he gives up Stop Press exclusive preview of Volume 2 (laughs) 
episode five of The Time Monster, he just says, I like Joe Grant's new haircut, over to you. So that's essentially where he gives up on an episode. <laughs> no, the rest of the time... I mean, there are some where it's clear, you know, you go, oh, God, this is bad. But there's always something. There's always something one can go, I quite like that bit. But there are some... I mean, even in Volume 1, I think The Space Pirates was a bit of a chore to try and think of anything nice to say. And Underworld, you are sort of going, I can't even think of anything to say, let alone anything good or bad. It's just it's just sort of there going, <laughs> it's 25 minutes, so yeah, we'll stop now, then come back next week. That's Underworld. <laughs> Just yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of boosted set under a planet. Is anything going, no, not really. <laughs> subjected myself to that one yet i might give that one a miss (laughs) yeah you're not missing much yeah as i say it won't move you to joy or sorrow it will just make you go oh did i just do that (laughs) did people actually put effort into then why didn't they just go to the pub (laughs) anything else that you're working on at the moment that you would like to plug well i'm here i'm at this convention thanks to the good people at big finish who have started employing me, because I've done a lot of radio drama for Radio 4, and I hoped that the people that made Doctor Who audio dramas would notice at some point. <laughs> and they did! The, one, the ones out this month, Hexagoria, which was the first one I did, although it's not the first one I did that came out, because then I subsequently did Robophobia. I'm only allowed to be in ones that have got one-word titles. And that was out a few months ago. So I'm here to sort of sign those and plug those, and they're, they're being released as their Hexagoria's out this month. And Robophobia is also the name of Doctor documentary I'm on, on the Robots of Death DVD that's complete, it's a documentary about robots, um, that's quite fun, we do it in sort of 1950s style so it, it's quite a light-hearted take, which will make some corners of the internet froth, and <laughs> smash their monitors, oh, no, you and know go, you're not allowed Doctor comedy. Who's terribly serious guy <laughs> and so I'll hide from the internet at the end of March uh, they could have they could have animated Power of the Daleks instead of making this. They couldn't. And, and various DVD moderating duties. And there's a lovely, I think, a lovely documentary on the Sense Rights DVD that was my idea. It's the only thing. It's the only thing I've ever pitched. And Chris Chapman took the idea and ran with it. Not a story that people talk about much. The Sense Rights. I think we've done a nice job on on that. I would hope that everywhere in the internet is harmonious about that. He goes, I'm glad they haven't animated Power <laughs> of the Daleks because then we would have been denied this. <laughs> We actually met Chris Chapman a couple of months ago and it was one of those bizarre coincidences where sitting on the table talking about the podcast <coughs> and this guy went, do you do Doctor Who stuff then? It's like, yeah, well, who are you? And, oh, I'm Chris Chapman. He's like, ooh. Oh, how funny. <laughs> how funny. It's a very small world. It's a tiny and, world. And this year, we, me and my wife have been stalked by almost the entire cast of Blake 7 from completely... Dis- it's not, you know, you, you wouldn't say that if you went to a Blake 7 convention and they were all there. But this is completely disparate. We've managed to notch up almost everybody. If I... If I bump into Villa at Yo Sushi, I've got the whole lot. <laughs> he's the one you want, really. He is. He's my favourite. He's my favourite character. Hmm. If they do a remake of Blake Seven, I'll put my head in whatever you put into a ring. What do you put into a ring? Hat. hat. Why would you put a hat in a ring? I've no idea. Well, Unless I... we're trying to win a goldfish and, or something and chuck the hat over. I don't know. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I do that stupid metaphor to, to play Villa. <laughs> Two out of the four members of our podcast spend most of it drunk. Right. Uh, so what is your favourite tipple? Ah, ah. Well, I would normally, in default, I'm, I'm a gin and tonic sort of chap. Good choice. But I also am known to occasionally like a very chilled Sancerre or Chablis. I like a drop mm. of white wine. I drink quite a lot. 
and I'm looking forward to Christmas. I've actually just had a month off the booze. And Christmas, I always get myself an expensive bottle of whiskey that I wouldn't normally justify mm. spending the money on that I try and eke out until at least the second week of January. <laughs> Any particular favourite gins? Well, we do, because well, well, my wife is a gin and tonic drinker as well. So it, in the summer, you see, you have a Hendrix with a with a slice Good of choice. cucumber. Oh, definitely. Because Hendrix is the cucumber. It uh, is yeah. indeed. Uh, but uh, for the winter, we'd probably be, I mean, Tanqueray. I like Bombay Sapphire, but my, my wife prefers Tanqueray. Or Tanqueray 10 as well. And a, a friend of mine has just bought me a Welsh gin, the Black Top, and I can't remember what it's called, that you can only get near to the Welsh border that we've not cracked open yet. So, no, I'm quite an aficionado of trying out the different... I'm a Doctor Who fan. I can't just go, I like gin. I have to go, I need to collect all the gins and store the bottles in chronological order. Well, in that case, let me tell you about a very good local gin called Jack Kane Gin. Which Jack is, Kane, and that's local to Newcastle? It's local to here, yeah. It's very, very good. It's superb. Okay. Works very well with Fentiman's Tonic. And that's another local okay. gin as well. Superb. Yeah. Oh, well, we might have to step out of the holiday and breathe some actual air, which I've not done what yet today. What are you talking about? It's quite stuffy. It is, it? yeah. Yeah, you can well, feel yourself sort of drying out, yeah. yeah. Do you want a glass of water or anything? No, no, I'm all right. No, no. <laughs> I'm going to work up a thirst for later. <laughs> and then I shall drink a number of different gins. <laughs> it's a holiday and I think we're stuck with beef eater. Oh. It'll do. It'll do. It'll have to. Yeah. If you could be a biscuit or cake, what biscuit or cake would you be? Ooh. A jammy dodger, because then I'd be massively overrated, which is not something that's happened to me yet. I don't understand the... people. I think people pretend to like jammy dodgers just because they've got a good name. Nobody wants too much biscuit, oversweet icing, and then a big glob of inedible jam in the middle. By the time you get to the really sweet, thick bit in the middle, your, your mouth is dried out from too much frankly uninspiring biscuit mm. but people people who like jammy dodgers are liars well you see the thing i always think is you know those big red boxes of peak freeze you used to get at christmas yeah, yeah. with the sort of thinner version that had the really sticky hard red jam in them yeah i think that's what most people think jammy dodgers are and then they're seriously disappointed when they actually go get proper jammy dodgers and they're yeah. disgusting yeah 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 jammy dodgers <laughs> well that's that sponsorship deal well and truly ruined <laughs> And final question, if you could meet anyone from history, who would it be and what would you like to say to them? Oh, uh, here's a one. <laughs> well, being a Doctor Who fan, I'd like to meet Adolf Hitler and go, when you were in Doctor Who, what were you thinking when Matt Smith said that line to you on that scene in episode that? Because that he'd probably never be asked that by anybody else. <laughs> I think that'd be brilliant. You've got all these people queuing up to go, you're a rumman. <laughs> Somebody go, yeah, can, I, can you sign this for me? No, not there, there. Can you please sign it there? Yeah, do that. Adolf Hitler and ask him for what he was thinking when he was in Doctor Who. <laughs> We're here at the asylum with... Oh, Dad, please, explain what the asylum is. <laughs> the steampunk thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're visiting Fraser Hines in an asylum. We are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it should have been years ago. It, but it did actually used to be the asylum, that's the whole point. Oh, right. This did, didn't it? Yes, yeah, this wow. was the asylum for across, Lincoln. Across from the jail. Yes. Right. So we've managed to corner him on a comfy sofa. You were touring with a one-man show last year, weren't you? How did that go? It went very well. I was supposed to do it again beginning this year, and then I got an offer to do a play called Five Blue-Haired Ladies Sitting on a Green Park Bench with a pal of mine, a producer, Chris Marino. And it was with Shirley Anfield, Anne Charleston, Lorraine Chase and Anita Harris. Wow. Tom Owen and Chris Beanie. So I thought, oh, I'm going to do it. I met two other guys, Ecky Chucker, another young uh, coloured actor, he joined us, and we 
we just had a ball for eight weeks. And I said to Chris, I'm going to do it again. He said, I might put it out again next year after Christmas. He said, would you still do it? I said, oh yeah, include me in. It was great. It was a, a lovely play about these ladies sitting on a part a comedy by John Penzati. And eventually they start to sort of disappear. I don't think I'm giving the game away. The park bench and the trees and everything are all white. And you realise, ah, they're in heaven. And the husband's enjoying it. And that's myself and the rest of the guys. We were all the husbands. But because you've got to be in for the show, half an hour before the show starts, the director said, with the scene change, would you have the scene change? He said, I hate it when four people come dressed in black and move everything around. So we did little sort of uh, vignettes. It was a New York mm-hmm. park. So he said, I don't care what you do, boys, as long as you're not messing about. He said, I suggest you, Fraser, you're a... Uh, calling for a taxi or something but we just changed it once we got up and running you know in the end I, I construction work I found a yellow jacket and a hard hat and then later on I came on with a see-through packet of tea and some sugar and we did a drug run and I had a hoodie up <laughs> Eki was dressed as a cop he chased us off the director came to see it in the last week he said oh fellas I love the drug run I love the drug run <laughs> so it was great for us you know because your energy was up because you you know on stage we're big fans of Big Finish Audios. Oh, yeah. And you've done a huge amount I of work too. with yeah, them, yeah. including a rather scarily accurate Patrick Troughton impersonation. Well, that came about by accident, really. I did... I'd never worked for Big Finish. In fact, when Gary Russell was there, I said, Gary, I'm the only Doctor Who actor that's never done Big Finish. He's, oh, I don't like mixing companions. Your Doctor's dead. I said, no, I work with Colin Baker. They're the two dogs. Yeah. No, I don't like that. So then Gary's kind of left, and a week later I got this phone call. Would you like me to come do a Companions Chronicle? Helicon Prime. So I started to do it, and then Patrick came, and then just cut the recording. Fred, that, that, that sounds very like Patrick. I said, well, do you want me to carry on? So yeah, will you, will you carry on doing it? So I did Patrick's voice, and then two years later, I didn't hear another one. I thought, oh, God, they've got all these Pelican Primes sort of underneath Jason Hager and his, you know, bed, you haven't sold them. It was a mistake. And then they came out and said, well, do you want to... You know, do another one, The Glorious Revolution. Mm. I said, oh, yeah, terrific. I, I rang up David Richardson and said, oh, David. He said, I said, do you want me to do Patrick's voice? He said, yeah, if we, yeah because we, we loved it so much. And I said, well, Patrick's got more dialogue. I said, do I get another feed? He said, he's you bugger, no, you don't. But what happened is it came about at a convention that I was telling a story when we did The Two Doctors. My first line was, hey, Doctor, look at the size of that space station. And I changed it to, hey, Doctor, look at the size of that thing. Yes, Jamie, it is a big one, isn't it? <laughs> so when we got to, to the, the rehearsals and John Nathan Turner said, stop, 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 stop. He said, no, 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 it's, Jamie says, look at the size of the space station. And Patrick said, no, no, at the beginning of his story, Jamie always says, look at the size of that thing, Doctor. And I go, yes, Jamie, it is a big one, isn't it? And I told that story at a convention, and somebody came up and said, oh, God, you sound like Patrick, it's fantastic. But that's true, because when we saw the Emperor Dalek in an episode, I had to say, look at the balls on that thing, Doctor. I couldn't. Because I'm sure the writer used to put a little people on trance so if we spot them. And I couldn't say it. And in the end, Paddy Russell, the director, was tearing her hair out. Oh, for God's sake, well, change the look at the size of that thing, Doctor. Yes, Jamie, it is a big one. And so we try to put that in most stories. Beginning of Seeds of Death, when we land in the museum, I go to this rocket. Hey, Doc, look at the size. Yes, Jamie, it is a big one, isn't it? We always try to get a kind of running gag in it every time. So that's how David said, well, you sound so like Patrick. As well, I spent three years with a man. He said, you've even got a little... <clears throat> now, what we're going to do is... <coughs> Now, uh, you, that little sort of cough you always used to do. And I thought, you see, I can't do him without doing the hands. The hands, yeah. I can't do him like that. It doesn't work. I have to do it. I have to, I mean, oh, when I'm doing the big finish and I'm in the booth, and I, I have to, I can't either go there or perhaps there. I, I don't know. You know, I have to do the hand movements. I did one recently, which hasn't come out yet, with David Warner. Ooh. one of our finest actors. Now, actors always take them a care of each other. You always say, you're playing a Welshman, somebody says, I didn't know this from Pakistan. What, what, you know, what part of the car? Yeah, always take them. 
But we did a scene, and it just said over the microphone, I said, can I just say a phrase? He said, for one moment, I actually thought I'm in the recording booth with Patrick Troutman. He said, that was so like Patrick. And for David Warner, one of our finest actors, to say something like that to me, you know, I mean, I'm just, I've done soaps and stuff. David's done movies and heavy theatre and Shakespeare done as well. You know, I, I took that as a great compliment. It's unnerving, but it's lovely at the same time, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of the undertone of a tribute. Yes. Yeah. The faceless ones is the one where you suddenly start to see this double act between Patrick and James, uh, Patrick and Fraser, mm. you know, where he kicks me under the table. Ah, oh, we came in a blue box. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, nudging and all that. That's where you first start to see this little sort of the double act and the, and the comedy. And then our favourite, my, one of my favourites is, is the, the opening of the Tomb of the Cybermen, when we, we daren't rehearse it because Morris Barry would have cut it out. But we've put it in the, in the take. Time was so desperate, you know, unless something went really wrong... <laughs> They, they had to go on to the next scene. We rehearsed it between ourselves, you know, and then we just took you know, each other's hand. No, no, come on, Victoria. You know, that doesn't change. <laughs> but I do love wearing the big finish because the stories are so well written. They have great people. I just said David Warner, Alexander Sadiq, Miranda Raisin. David Tuckerby does one. Yeah, I mean, David Tennant. I don't know if he's done any since he became David Tennant. Mm. I don't know. But, you know, they get great cast. Mm. The writers are good, mm. great scripts. And Toby, the recording artist, does a great lunch as well. I heard about that. Oh, yes, you know. We always starve three days before you start work because you have these wonderful lunches. And I think that's why we do everything in one take because we can't wait to get to the lunch break. <laughs> we, never t- we never take three takes. We did that trilogy with Colin Baker, and when we were, we were being chased by this boggart or whatever, this, you know, this will of the wisp and we were running up and down in our little booth. We all got separate little booths, and we looked at each other, and we both giggled. It was almost like Patrick and I knew what we were thinking, you know, we could telepathic. Colin and I just looked, and we both stopped and get hello? Yes, hello. Why are you laughing? We both looked so, what a way to earn a living. Two grown men. Come on, Jamie. No, no, daughter. Just running on the spot. Two grown men. What a way to earn a living. If you could be a cake or biscuit, mm. what cake or biscuit would you be? Oh, I love actually fashion cake. I think. One of my favourites. I've still got passion left in my body. Yes, it's definitely passion cake. That's what we like to hear. Mm. Favourite tipple? Actually, apart from wine, which, you know, red and white wine. But if I'm sort of sitting in the garden, vodka and Russian, I call it a Diaghilev. Put it in a nice bowl, not a, not a tall glass, a bowl like a red wine glass, say. You put some vodka, ice and Russian. It's like, it's like a pink tonic. Schweppes oh. it. It's oh, called right. R-U-S-S-C-H-I-A-N. And it's called Diaghilev. And it's a lovely, long, thirst-quenching alcoholic drink. Superb. That sounds nice. We're going to have to try that one. We are collecting various cocktail recipes from the people that we interview, so that one's going to go into the collection. To me, it's cocktails like four or five different ones. But a nice winter drink is if you start to boil a pan of milk, Mm -hmm. get a a measure of Baileys in in a mug, Mm -hmm. get a Cadbury's flake, stick that in, bring the milk to the boil, pour the boiling milk into the mug. Now, obviously you can't drink it's boiling milk, but by the time the flake has melted, stir it round, and that's a lovely go-to-bed night. Wow. I'm going to have to try well. that. You see Bailey's as well, the, the float, and the milk's good for you. If you could meet anyone from history, who would it be and why? Well, there's actually two people. One is Jesus, because I'd love to, to, to know, you know, was it true? Mm. Did you touch the loaves and fishes? Did you cure that blind man? Were you who we led to believe? Mm. Or Dick Turpin, because I love that era, you know, with, with the, the, the jodhpurs and the three-cornered hat and the frock coats. 
And I'd sort of join his gang and galloping about on horses and firing guns. You've been listening to... The Dirty Hooers Doctor Who Podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHooers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. See you next time. La 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 la